Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. I'm a feminist, but I haven't seen the Barbie film yet. <laughs> um, which feels... Oh, i got a really funny mixed reaction. I, I, I haven't seen it yet and I, I do. It feels like the current modern feminist fail equivalent of being like uh, Maya Angelou. Like, it, it feels bad. I haven't seen it yet. I meant to have Have you read right. Maya Angelou? Because I think that's way more important than seeing Barbie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, all of it. All of it? Yeah, what, twice. What, what is all Two of it? Two or three times I've read all the... Do you know what all of it is? Let's go back to talking about Barbie. <laughs> Did know. you have any Barbies when you were growing up? Yeah, but like a massive homo, I shaved their heads. I, sh- I cut all their hairs off. I think we should just clarify. I basically, I got Jess- them taken off me because all I did with them was make them like naked hump in a drawer. I should. I think just to be clear, if anyone doesn't know, Jess is in a same-sex relationship and therefore is allowed to say massive homo. <laughs> I just feel like some newer people reclaiming it. Newer people who thought, "Oh, feminism in the basement." I don't think that sounds it would have funny. Landed if I'd said massive pano. <laughs> Oh, a great big massive bio. No. That sounds like a box no. of stuff to clean clothes. No, but just if they thought you were straight, massive homo. Who here thought I was straight? <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a no, time. No, I didn't mean to find um, yourself as a no, massive pano. Um, yeah, no, leave it in, but also give me another chance. I'll try not saying it again. No, I loved you saying oh, it. Right. I was just making fun of, like, you know, I was yeah. making a ta- That was what we call in the business a kappa. Oh, great. <laughs> um, no, so basically, I feel like it's a bit of a rite of passage. I meant to have seen the Barbie film, and I haven't seen the Barbie film, and I feel bad about not having made that time in my life to see the Barbie film. I'm a feminist, but I also have not seen <gasps> the Barbie film. Oh, well, I feel Beca- better. Because I've been too busy doing feminism. <laughs> That's how I'm framing it. Uh, no, thanks. I haven't. I want to see the Barbie film, but I've just, I've had a lot on, and I'm like, there's something about we all have to do the marketing for it that I'm like, that's nice, and I like it a lot, but there's a bit of me that just goes, am I just doing marketing for a big studio? Do you know what I mean? Like, by going out in a pink dress and stuff. So there's a bit of me. Well, also, I already had, like, I'm wearing some pink trousers now. I had those before the film. (laughs) That's true, that's true. No, I do want to go, I definitely do want to go and see it. Just give us a cheer if you've seen the Barbie film. (laughs) Just give us a cheer if you liked it. (laughs) Just give us a cheer if you haven't seen the Barbie film. Just give us a cheer if you are not going to see it. Okay. Ooh. Why are you not going to see it? What do we don't know? You just don't want to. Absolutely fair. <laughs> a compelling argument. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a feminist, but this week I was so tired and busy 
but I needed to get my toes done because I just, you know, when you get your sandals out and stuff and I just wanted nice feet. So I just thought, I am going to make the time for a pedicure. And I was so <laughs> overexhausted that for the we first... We could have already left it at, I'm a feminist, but I'm using the word need and get my toes done in a sentence. <laughs> I'm aware that you would like to chop my toes off and keep me in a drawer humping, but <laughs> I was so, I'm so, I was really, really, you know, overwhelmed a bit when I had it done. And so I chose blue nail polish because I've always wanted to try it. But normally the part of me that goes, oh no, what if you don't like it, if it might be too much has stopped me. So I've gone for a more conservative colour. And so when I just went, do it blue, I just felt like such a boss. And I just thought, when she did it, and I loved it, I just thought, this is success. Yeah. This is peak now, me and myself. I've just gone, I've always wanted blue toenails, and now I've fucking got them. And I genuinely, genuinely did that. I genuinely, in my moment, went, yeah. I've got, finally got the blue toenails I've always coveted, but always been too, just not quite brave enough to ask for. And then I thought, oh my God, that is so unfeminist. It's pathetic. And then, I'm a feminist, but I beat myself up for thinking that toenail colour could possibly mean anything about my inner state. And then I beat myself up for thinking, don't be so hard on yourself, Deborah. If that means something to you in this moment, just let it be something. Why do you always have to criticise yourself? And then I thought, but sometimes you should criticise yourself. That's not feminist. It's nothing to do with feminism. Look at the world. The world's on fucking fire and you're thinking about your fucking toenails. You call yourself a feminist. You're an embarrassment to feminism. And then I thought, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. They don't need to know. They don't need to know. They think you're a good feminist. Then I thought, no, they don't. No one thinks I'm a good feminist. They're all talking about me and laughing about me. And then I thought, oh, I just read on the internet this week a really good advice, which was this. If you think everyone hates you, have a sleep. If you hate everyone, have a snack. And I thought, that's great advice. That's great advice. And and I thought, right, I need both of those. So I had a biscuit and I lay down. And I, do you know what? I feel so much better about the whole manicure, pedicure situation. What an amazing journey that went on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's an insight into my head. I'm a feminist, but mine are all really short. It's going to work well. I'm a feminist, but um, I had to be taken aside recently at my gym by the owner and reminded um, and reminded not, uh, not to hiss at anyone. <laughs> what? Not to hiss at anyone? Why? What do you mean hiss? What do you mean? Um, so, um, <laughs> what's happened is, what's happened is, um, they had a competition a while ago. Well, I yes. Did. Um, and in the competition, one of the people judging me, who is my friend, my good friend, yeah. but was screaming at me, come on, you can do it, you got this, like, do it now. This is, this is actually, weightlifting yeah, and stuff. And yeah. that event was, yeah. And I was like, you're sweaty. I was trying to, like, focus. I was trying to get in my head. And I went, <laughs> even though they were a judge. And that, a rumour started that I'd told a judge to fuck off. <gasps> how exciting, how thrilling. Yeah. And so when a new competition came up, it really made me laugh that I was taken aside by a woman who, very successful and brilliant woman, but who's young, you know, a decade younger than me, to say, mm. excuse me, if you are going to do the next competition, can you remember not to sort of hiss? <laughs> or tell wow. to fuck off. I was like, yeah, I can remember that. 
Oh my god! I'm so sorry. So you're now known as, known as the hissing weightlifter. No, oh. everyone there's a weightlifter, so it'd be hard to. But just the hisser, yeah. Yeah. The pissy, the pissy hisser. Pissy hisser. I, the pissy hisser. Listen, I think sometimes that's... I don't want to be shouted at when I'm trying to do mm. pee. I get that. Even if it's well intended, I want everyone to sort of wish me well, but not look. <laughs> I think you're heading steadily towards becoming a glow-style wrestler that called the pissy hisser. No. You, yeah, you hiss at the audience. Really? You go, nice. shh, And all the audience are cheering because they do at wrestling, don't they? Yeah. And they're all going, oh, we're picking you up. And the other one's going, oh, I'm going to take you down. And you're just telling everyone to shush because you need to focus on wrestling. <laughs> just, can we have a bit of quiet in this all-star wrestling cage match? I'm trying to do a double suplex, two-piece suicida. Yeah. Can't do it with all this They're noise real in my words. Head. They're real words. Um, <laughs> I've learnt them. Um, I'm a feminist, but this week I am rehearsing a play that I wrote that's going out at Chichester Festival. Yes, I know. I'm so excited. It's a really, really, really big deal. Ch- sorry, Chichester Festival Theatre. It's a really, 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 really big deal. Um, and I was really disappointed today that nobody in this very important, impressive... A rehearsal room that's very experienced um, and and brilliant and talented and everything um, noticed my blue toenails. <laughs> not one person said, "Oh, pedicure!" Like, and my toenails have not been that great the last few days, and then nobody noticed it. And I almost wondered why I'd done it, and got so excited about it, and then got so worried about it, and excited about it again, and then worried about it again, and excited about it again, and worried about. It. Does anyone else have these thoughts, though? Or is it just me? Does anyone else think, oh, but why am I even thinking that's anything to do with feminism? Why am I celebrating it? It's so patriarchal. And then, then you think, don't be so hard on yourself. Self-care. And then you think, is that just an excuse for bad behaviour? Does anyone else? Is this in anyone else's head that you're not getting it right I all the time? It's a constant feminist the- dilemma of between, like, self-awareness and leaning in. Like, humility mm. versus Self-awareness confidence. self-care. Like, yeah. Self- Maybe we could do self-awareness. Self-improvement versus self-forgiveness. Mm. That line. Yeah, I do it all the time. Anyway, the major upside of no one noticing his snazzy new nails is that probably no one clocked his skanky old nails. Not that you could ever have a skanky you think, old nail. You think that you would be a comfort? Have one. No, no. You're, they weren't even, that bad. They weren't even naked. I reckon they'd look really nice. Yours. A... See now, can you tell what's going through Jess's head now? Panic. It's, it's the, I've transferred the nightmare from my head into her head in one swift manoeuvre. I already took a risk earlier saying, in real life, I love the colour of your nails. It reminds me of a very swanky car. She did, I didn't quite understand what she meant for a while, but then we talked about cars for a while and felt like real, you know, feminists not talking. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're talking about cars, not nails. Um, That's fitting because I've got an I'm a feminist and. Have you? Yeah. Go on then. I'm a feminist and, um, I think this is an I'm a feminist and, but I'm sure we'll, we'll find out. Um, I had to miss some of the England-Nigeria World Cup football match, which, give us a cheer if you saw it. It was so brilliant and so exciting. It was on at 8.30 in the morning, I set an alarm, I was up for it, it was amazing. But it went into added time because it was still nil-nil at 90 minutes. I've never, been, I, I've never found a nil-nil match so exciting in my life. Everyone, everyone was just playing out of their skin. It was fucking extraordinary, whether you care about football or not. And I only really care about women's World Cups. Um, and I was just like, oh, my God, I was on the edge of my seat. But then it went into added time. And I was like, oh, no, I've got a smear test. <laughs> um, 
and like you the cannot feminist be football versus fan. you don't not go to your smear test in 2023. Like everyone's got to go to that. You've got to go. That's what you go. And you yeah, because you so can't I went, leave, but leave like, the I was, NHS like, hanging. Watching it on my phone all the way down the road to the doctors, and then obviously I wasn't rude enough to keep my phone out once I got in the room. <gasps> I always do. I oh, say to... Oh, that's quite rude. I think if they're no. going to go to the trouble to find your cervix, you could at least look them in the eye. <laughs> no, the opposite. What I say to them is... What I say to them is... No, you keep going with your story first, but can we get back to my cervix? <laughs> Put a pin um, in my cervix. Yeah, so because I was, like, buzzing, like, it got to, like, basically... I think there was, like, a minute left of added time, um, and I was, like, watching on my phone, and I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, and then she went, she called my name, and I was like... Ah! Okay, so I put my phone in my pocket, but she obviously didn't see the phone. She just thought I was really, really excited about my smear test. <laughs> she thought I was buzzing for it. She thought I was a creep. Because I was like, let's go. <laughs> Where do you want me? Crank me up. Like, woo But like, just sort of hand on my phone. I was, she thought I was just hyped to get touched. Oh my God, that's the worst story I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and when, by the what? time we came out... She we thought were... you were aroused by a smear Not test. Not aroused, but just like, whoa, happy to be here. <laughs> to have a speculum up your jaxi. <laughs> no, it doesn't go there. It's ju- it's jaxi, a jaxi means up means... the dark side, I think. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Jaxi's that. Jaxi's bum bum. Oh, is it? I yeah, just thought no. it was just generally a it hole. Goes, no, it only goes up the... Vag I room. thought Jaxie just meant, you know, uh, just a general no, innuendo for no. orifice. Nah, but... <laughs> oh, well, I've been getting my smear tests wrong all these years. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Let's I... Please, let's go back to your cervix, as requested. Uh, we've put a pin in my... Let's take the pin out of my cervix. Ow. Regular listeners will know I have an extra... I need an extra small speculum because I'm strangely small, but also tilted there. And... Uh, <laughs> It can be quite painful. So I said to them, they had to do a special examination. Everything's fine, don't worry. But they had to do a special examination and I said, I think it's best if I watch something so I relax because otherwise I'm just so conscious of it so I can put my mind somewhere else and then you can just get on with the job. I'll pretend that this part of, my, you know, my, this part of me is separated from my body. I'll yeah. also do that. Do you and like then- bring up a video of a crackling fire like people have on the telly at Christmas? No. I said, oh, I'm going to watch it. It was just like a, you know, one of those funny things on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. Love so I said, oh, dangerous, and the first thing that came up, because I love Succession, and the first thing that came up was a sort of best of insults on Succession. So I thought, oh, that'll be funny and that'll entertain me. Oh, my God, this poor woman was all up in my Internal cervix. <laughs> and... Kieran Culkin was just going hell-bent for leather, just like, you cock-sucking, fucking fucker. You know, little Lord Fuckleroy, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, sorry, this is really sweary. And they were like, no, no, it's fine. And then I was like, shall I find something else? I like, no, 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 no. So the whole thing was just littered with succession sweats. And I was just lying there. I did, it was able to take me out because they're very funny. They're very funny. But I did realise, and I did say, sorry, this is your workplace. This is probably really inappropriate. And they were very nice about it. But then I was meant to have a follow-up and they said she'd got, the doctor had gone into hospital and I couldn't. And I was like, oh my God, did I break her? <laughs> I love it. No, I always do. If I'm having a wax, I do it as well. So glad you had an X on the end of the... Not a... (laughs) I'm a feminist, but the other day I was walking down Camden High Street 
And a man started hassling me. And I was like just doing the, you know, I was handling it. I was handling it. And another man saw and came, you know, he was trying to be a good ally. And he sort of stepped in and said, leave her alone, mate. And the two of them, it started to escalate. And I thought, a duel, a real duel for me. And I, I was just in that situation where I was like, do I just de-escalate this and break them up and send them on their way? Or do I give them pistols? <laughs> or dueling swords? There was a little bit of me that did like, you know, the sort of... Fisty cuffs at dawn. Just, yeah, just that feeling of like, you know... I've been trained by the patriarchy in costume drama to want men to fight over me. <laughs> Live from the Soho Theatre in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminists with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Jessica foster and our very special guest, Andy Osho, talking about Tough Crowd. It's Friday night. It's Friday night, isn't it? Yeah. It's Friday night, and it's only real feminists that come out for feminism on a Friday night. All those other just haphazard, sometimes on, sometimes off fair weather feminists, they're out at the pub. Not us. Friday night, we never stop working. We never stop fighting the patriarchy. We're out, you know, with some jokes. There'll be jokes. Um, Just give us a cheer if you listen to The Guilty Feminist. Just give us a cheer if you don't know what it is. Right. Notice that those cheers seem less definite, less empowered, less feminist, if you will. Don't worry, you're going to catch up and be on board. This is a podcast, and a podcast is radio that nobody stops you making. That's why women do it. We have taken control of the means of the broadcast. That's right. People said to me there was no room for a feminist show that no one would want to see feminist comedy. They were wrong. We've played the Royal Albert Hall. Fuck them. I'd like to say they were all men, but they mostly weren't. They were mostly women. The men never emailed back. Um, If I got a rejection in those days, it was definitely from a woman. And it usually said something like, this might sound sexist, but it's not. I cannot consider you because you're a woman. Uh, No, that's true. That happened all the time. It was just a normal day for me. But no more. Not now that we're in Soho Basement Theatre on a Friday night. Just, Just give us a cheer if you've had a big week. Give us a cheer if you've had a small week. Because <laughs> many people did not cheer. A medium-sized week. Most people have had a medium-sized week. I feel I've had a quite a big week. I've been rehearsing a play. It's a feminist play. And I don't mind telling you that at the end of the week, it's a long week, everyone else went to the pub. And I came here <laughs> to work again. I don't know if anyone's got any medals. But I want one because they are currently in the pub, getting very smashed. I haven't even had one drink. I've, no, I know, I've only had a fizzy water. You have to fix that. Thank you. It's a vodka soda for me. Um, just give us a cheer if you uh, think your job is a feminist job. That's not very many people. Normally, I can divide my audience into three sorts of people. Uh, people who work somehow in a feminist sector or they work with refugees, they work in literacy, people who work for the NHS or in some other capacity that is saving the world, climate change, or people who are doing a PhD on Virginia Woolf. That's, let's give us a cheer if you're doing a PhD on Virginia Woolf. There's always one. Yep. 
There's always one. Is anyone genuinely doing a PhD of any sort? Anyone doing a PhD? Yes, you are? Yep, what's your PhD on? Inhalers for asthma. It's a hell of a lot of asthmatics in tonight going, you go girl, our inhalers are inferior. Um, PhDs always have long and wieldy names and they're always about some very small, minuscule thing, aren't they? That's the whole point of a PhD is you go deep but sharp. You go down a very narrow hole. That's what a PhD is, isn't it, usually? What's your PhD on? What's the official title? Yeah, no, it's always long. That's why I ask. Particle engineering. To control the... Sorry, sorry, so I've got to say it to the mic. This is a podcast. They can't hear you. To control... In fact, I'm going to give you a mic. Can we have a mic? Okay. Is this mic on? Can you put this mic on for me? Thank you. Okay, what's your name? Victoria. Victoria. Can you just pass this back to Victoria? Thank you, sir. No, I'm, I, I don't want to assume your gender or your man. You've, you've, he's leaned forward... To take, he's gone, I'll, I'll be in charge of that. <laughs> and you never know if that's, I'll be helpful, I want to help in aid feminism, or whether it's like, I've got, I've got that, darling. It's just, it's very difficult to know with men now. Men in my audience, normally, normally, they're there going, how can I support? I want to be a good ally. But every now and again, there's a man in my audience who a woman has brought because she needs him to learn something. <laughs> and that man, normally... Draws attention to himself very early on. <laughs> it's hard to know. It's hard to know. What's your name? Ian. Ian. Aiden. Aiden. Very topical. Aiden, do you know why your name is topical? You don't know. No one said it to you. Sex the City's been rebooted. Biggs, uh, Biggs died. Sorry to break it to you like that. Um, yeah, look, his face. He's, 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 he's open-mouthed. Sorry. You didn't even know he was sick, did you? Uh, no, he, d- he died of Peloton. <laughs> and it's very, it can be very dangerous. I, I use the Peloton all the time. I'm, I, you know, I'm very careful now. I, I approach with suspicion. I don't, I don't. It's, it's very safe. Um, and guess who's back in the scene? Guess who's back on the scene? Yes! He went like this. He went, I don't know. And then the penny dropped and he went, why is she talking to me about this? Aiden, do you even know who Aiden is? You must do. Your name is Aiden. Do women not all the time go, oh, like Sex and the City, do you build furniture? Do you have a dog called Pete? They don't say that to you. We're from South Africa. You're from South Africa? Yeah. Did Sex and the City not make its way there? <laughs> of course it did. Are you joking? Sex and the City is, of course, in South Africa. It's everywhere where Diet Coke is. You know that it is. Okay, all right. Well, listen, just so I know, Aiden. Which one are you? Are you one of the ones that's been brought here so you can learn something? Or are you one of the supportive, sort of like, yes, you go, feminists. I'm also a feminist. Supportive. You said that with a question mark. You went supportive? <laughs> Is supportive the right answer? And I like your deference. I enjoy that. It's not up to you. What's not up to you? Don't be careful, Aiden. They're turning. They're turning. Did you hear someone go, oh, it's not up to you, Aiden. I suppose it's up to us. Did you hear someone do that? Oh, is feminism is it up to us to fix sexism, is it, Aiden? This poor man. Yes, go on. I was just going to say, I mean that it's like, it's not up to me to make that judgment of myself. It's, oh. You know what I mean? Now they're back. The same person who went, oh. If you're single, Aiden, this is a really big moment for you. The bar will be heaving with feminists looking for a feminist man afterwards. Oh, what? 
This is Aidan's girlfriend now, clutch, clutching him like he's a handbag in a crowded marketplace. Is, are you Aidan's girlfriend? Oh. I didn't, I didn't want to just assume wifedom. Do you know what I mean? We're in a famous show. I don't know how you identify. So, like, but you are his wife. Okay, so you've brought him and you're leaving with him or one better. That's clear? She's like, no, I'm... Only him. Oh, that's nice. Do, do you, do you, what's your name? You don't want to be called Aidan's wife. This is a feminist show. Lisa. Do you think Aidan is a feminist? Oh, that's lovely. If you don't mean that, blink twice. No, no, no. He clearly is. Are you excited that Aidan's back in sex? That you must know about Aidan and Sex the City. You don't. You don't. Okay, we'll, we'll catch up. Okay, you don't need to. Honestly, this new reboot is ridiculous. Um, Victoria. I'm a feminist, but I might have asked a woman, what's your PhD in? And then unfortunately got distracted teasing a man for 25 minutes. Victoria, we handed you a microphone and then we talked to a man called Aidan because I got distracted by Sex in the City. And I can only say, I'm not sorry. I really enjoyed myself. But Victoria, seriously, uh, what's your PhD in? Uh, it's particle engineering. <gasps> what? Did someone say cocksucking? What? Uh, okay. The man identifies himself. <laughs> <laughs> That was such a strange moment. Everyone looked around like someone else had said it, but that would be a good cover. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. No, 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 no. It's okay. Are you in the wrong show? Are you? Are you okay? You are. What show did you think this was? I thought Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. You thought there'd be Mary Poppins. Okay. If you want your money back, I'm so happy to give it to you personally. Seriously, because if you are in the wrong show, then it's best for all of us. But I don't want you to feel like you've spent money on... Can you adapt, though? It seems unlikely. Given... um, I've just asked a woman what her PhD was in and you said cocksucking. It seems like a long wait. Listen, I'm not saying you can't make the journey, sir, but I don't think you can make it in the next 60 minutes. I think it would take longer. I think it would take more of a programme of, you know... (laughs) <laughs> okay all right um no I, it's not okay if okay how safe does the audience feel okay so is it okay if, I, i'm really happy to offer you a refund but i i just i think it might not be the right show for you Well, that's not... You don't need to turn the audience on yourself. Like, it's okay. Not everything's reality television. Thank you very much for coming. Um, No, no, but thank you. But if you... uh, Go to the box office and I'll give you a refund. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's... Seriously, seriously, go go and get a refund because you're not going to see the show. It's fine. Okay, to you, to it's not funny to you, to you. Not everything is for you. 
everything. Well, that was a dramatic beginning. Okay. Um, I, the, the reason I was, I was made sure to be very kind then is because I do not want to set that man out onto the street with me provoking him. Like, do you know what I mean? There's women, there's women upstairs, there's women in the bar, there's women outside, and they will get the brunt of me. So that's why I also think uh, in dating, if you meet an awful man, do remember you're putting him back into the dating pool. You know, like I always think that. I always think, I, I just, it's like if I meet someone racist, I think it's my job to leave them at least no more racist than when I met them. And so, no, it's true, I do. So I always try and go, okay, let's have a conversation about it because I don't want to whip them up and then someone else gets the brunt of what I've just gone, fuck you, and I've released something. But then they, they are exacerbated in that view and then they, I won't get the brunt of that, someone else will. So I'm just, I was more worried about the women upstairs, but I didn't want to make it uncomfortable for you either by being too nice. So I was trying to kind of tread a, a really tricky... <laughs> balancing act I'll be honest it's the first time it's ever happened at the guilty feminist in seven and a half years it's the first time but the weird thing was after he said it he turned around like someone else had said it so I didn't think it was him because everyone turned around and I I think I don't know if it was a cover at first or if he saw everyone turning around he went what's that then I think it was that oh my god that was so weird it was so weird when people say, oh, what happens when people heckle at the Guilty Feminist? I say, the only heckle we ever get is, how can we help? Um, it's true. Sometimes I've got a guest on who's got an activist issue, and we're getting to the part of how everyone can help, but people can't help themselves. And they're like, no, I'm ready to help now. And honestly, people will shout out, what can we do? And that's the most common heckle. Or occasionally, you know, someone will say something witty like, you know, in this situation here... Are we going to hear about the PhD or, you know, like something like that? But that is a feminist heckle. And so that works in the context of the show. So if anyone has a feminist heckle, yay. I'm going to go out on a large limb and say cocksucking is never a feminist heckle. Not in this life or the next. So... It's an example of a feminist heckle. Example of a feminist heckle. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Hi, Victoria. Hello. <laughs> What's your PhD in? Nobody is to speak. What's your PhD in? It's quite good because this will give me time to try and remember the actual title. Right, great, great, great. <laughs> um, I think it's particle engineering approaches to control the interaction of medicinal, med- uh, no, medicinal aerosols with water vapour following inhalation. So in layperson's terms, that is? Uh, Making inhalable powders for inhalers to make them more efficient. Inhalable powders. Excellent. Not drug powders. Drug powders. Yes. To make inhalable (laughs) drug powders. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) So ethical inhalable (laughs) drug powders for those hard of breathing. Okay, excellent. Um, I think that's a feminist job. Very feminist job. You're in STEM. 
you're saving lives, presumably. At some point, will your PhD be turned into a powder? <laughs> Which is something I've never said before, but tonight's a night of firsts. <laughs> Maybe in celebration at the end, I'll grind it all down and... Oh, literal. Yeah. Oh, I thought, no, I sort of meant, will, will the powder exist? Not will you grind down the actual thesis and inhale it into a ventilator? Although, whatever turns you on, will it become a real thing? Um, it's very niche. So I think it might help other formulators in the future. So we will watch out for that inhalable powder. Yeah. I'm loving what you're doing. Big round of applause for Victoria. job than that? No. Anyone, <laughs> anyone think they've got an unfeminist job? Yes? What's yours? Can we have the microphone back, Victoria? Just, I'm, I'm, I'm almost keen to keep you on staff with the microphones around. What's your name? Susan. Susan, what's your unfeminist job? HR for banking. HR for banking! We have a winner! <laughs> Don't need to go any further. Uh, is it hiring, firing and paying people? No. No, it's what, what pr- uh, talent and development. Talent and development. Oh, okay. So, like learning and learning and development. Yes, but it's. um, I've just forgotten how to speak English. Um, (laughs) It's like a system where you evaluate yourself. A system where you evaluate yourself. I don't think bankers should. I don't think bankers should be allowed to evaluate themselves (laughs) because they'll say, "Give me a million pound bonus." Yeah. Yeah. Very often. Do you ever do anything secretly feminist in your unfeminist job? Well, I I joined it because uh, there is so much gender bias in how people self-evaluate and how they're promoted. So that was why I went back. So you're doing it to correct a a gender imbalance in an unfeminist society. (laughs) Proving my point that every single time I find someone with a self-declared unfeminist job, they're doing secret feminist within it, like some kind of feminist Trojan horse, but where the horse is in itself a feminist. The worst kind of Trojan. Thank God he's not still here. Because I feel on the word Trojan, I already know what his heckle would have been. We don't need to say it. Thank you so much. What's your name? Susan. Big round of applause for Susan. All right. Are you ready to start the show? Then please welcome to the stage. My co-pilot of this evening is the wonderful Jessica Foster Q. Yeah, that was uncharacteristic of the girls' feminists. I wasn't can't it? believe I missed all that drama. <laughs> um, and you were so right about like keeping it nice in case he kicks off. But I have had a look at him, and if he does kick off with any of you when you do go upstairs, I reckon I could take him. Yeah. <laughs> you could. I just, I just sit, think with situations like that, I just feel like I think you want to be the thing you want him to be. If you become him, then quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Some hot photos. I'm a feminist, but you opened your laptop on yeah. the hotter shots of you. Thank you. In a sequined jumpsuit. I'm a feminist, and that wasn't an accident. No, it was. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. Yeah. That's, I get your opinions on those. That was so hot. It was Leader. almost a hostile act. <laughs> Thanks, no, I feel like I feel if a woman turns up to like a, an event, or like a meeting situation or something, and she's had a blow dry, and I haven't had 48 hours' notice, I feel it's aggressive. <laughs> Genuinely, I do. I'm like, it's a hostile act. That's not sisterly. No, you need to say... Well, you're never in any danger of that with me, babe. (laughs) But I I am, because I've just seen those shots. never used a blow dryer. 
Um, I look like a lion if I try it. Do you? But why don't you go to the hairdresser sometimes and get a little I do go to the hairdressers twice a year. But but what if you've got like a special event? Do you not get a hairdresser to like blow it? No, I wash it and comb it. (laughs) And let let Mother Nature dry it. I think that's so good and I'm so impressed by it and I'll never be doing it. Right. Do you know when you admire someone else's feminism and you just think, yeah, you're doing that, I won't be. I now that I'm 40, I have begun ironing my t-shirts. Have you? Yeah. Was that your grown-up thing? Take myself to yourself? a bit more seriously, actually. I'm like, yes, I would like corporate work occasionally. Well, don't look Susan, at the hair. It's crisp white tea. Susan does diversity and inclusion oh, within. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, weaving them, weaving all the goodness from inside the rotten apple. Yes. So Jess and I could turn up at your work. And we yeah. could do a brilliant session. I do sessions like that. And what we'll do is we'll eradicate the patriarchy from your bank. <laughs> they, they won't notice it's happening. First, we'll remove the accounts of anybody with xenophobic opinions who's got... No, I was doing yeah. a Farage joke. And we'll... Oh, I see. No, that, that was a good... worked out well for anyone in it the end. It was a good joke. No, it was a strong it joke. It wasn't because I had to explain it. That's... No. Yeah, but when you did, I feel weird having my laptop. I wish I'd done printing out. I was thinking of the planet, and I thought I'd feel like a business bitch with my. I should really feel like I'm. Do you know what, Deborah? I'm at work, and I want it to look like it. I've set myself up with a little office here. Can I pictures of myself? (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine if you got pictures of your kid in a frame and your dog, and you know, just put it all out. Yeah. Um, Can everyone see Jess's face? It hasn't. If it's not masking your face, it's fine. When you're listening at home on the podcast, um, or when, you know, he is, um, <laughs> let's, call, let's call him, what should we call him? No. 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 C.S., like C.S. Lewis. When, when C.S. When C.S., because I imagine he's an avid listener. When CS, who doesn't need a fucking refund, if I were offered a refund of a yum, show... Yum, yum. I'd love your refund. Yeah, of a show I wasn't enjoying, I'd be like, well, that's very yeah. kind of you, thank you. Yeah, I am clearly am in the wrong show. That's kind of you, I'll go up to that. I would never say to the person at the Men's Rights Activist Conference I'd accidentally gone to, <laughs> no, if I don't need a fucking refund, I'd be like, yes, please. Yes, please, I'll, I'll take that refund. Because I, I would have, you know, I'm in the wrong place. It's not the fault of the Men's Rights Activist Conference that it doesn't please me. Yeah. I mean, they're doing their thing. They, they, they were quite clear how they advertised on their website. Yeah. I chose to go. Yeah. And I can't then complain. He's accidentally... He thought he was coming to the Guilty Meninist. Yeah. <laughs> I can't... <laughs> Shocking. I mean, and he's, what would I shout, though? You'd be there going, click liquor. <laughs> Please let me stay. I promise I can be quiet. You'd say hysterically. Can you imagine me at a men's rights activist conference? I'm tempted to go now just to shout click liquor and see what happens. I'm coming to watch. Here's the difference, though. Here's the difference. When a man walks into a room like this and shouts cocksucker, he knows he's physically safe. 
If I go to a men's rights activist... Well, you say that, I reckon I could have. He's <laughs> <laughs> quite old. There is enough of us. We could have taken him. If, yeah. we'd all, if we'd all just squeezed around him, it would have been like the murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. No one would have gone down for it. <laughs> Whose fault would it be? We don't know. We don't know. It would have been any of us. Our story is he just walked in, shattered cocksucker, and died. <laughs> <laughs> to joke what about murder. What were your murder. last words? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Which family member do you think would get in touch to say what were his last words? <laughs> yeah. What were, what were your last words at the feminist show? <laughs> Never came back. What, but what, what would drive you to buy a ticket? That's what fascinates me. He, he doesn't need a fucking refund. He must be doing all right. Um... Patriarchy clearly pays. Now, I mean, famously, patriarchy pays. Yeah, it really does, pays, yeah. <laughs> Every single offshore bank account is stuffed with money from patriarchy. Yeah. It's, that's what it is. That's the nature of it. It grabs power, it grabs money, it shouts cocksucker, it leaves. <laughs> that's its thing. Okay. Beginning, the middle, the end. Yeah. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Jessica foster And tonight we are talking about tough crowd. Yes. Ironically, given how we started the show. <laughs> it's a book by the incredible Andy Osho, but we're also talking about the themes within the book, which are both comedy and step parenting and yeah. sort of strange families that are made up of... Not strange, I shouldn't say strange, because my fam- I'm saying it because my family is... are made up of an odd shape. Atypical family. Thank you. I'll, I'll take that again. Atypical families that are in irregular shapes that are not heteronormative, baby-making, normal ones. <laughs> the first one, I reckon. I think, yeah. yeah. I think, I think a comp- <laughs> Tom, you can patch something together from those two, can't you? Modern. Modern. Um, Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Jessica Regan here. And I think it's high time we announced some Guilty Feminist Big Speeches Winter Workshops. If you, like the majority of the population, have a fear of public speaking, or if you quite enjoy it, actually, but you'd like to level up your skills, perhaps you know someone who could benefit from this training and this would make a great Christmas present, or maybe you're just curious and would like to give it a go. If you are any of these things, then please go to guiltyfeminist.com forward slash big speeches to secure a place now on one of our winter workshops. They are taking place on December 11th at 11am, January the 14th at 3pm, January 28th at 11am and our last one will be February 11th at 3pm. Book now to avoid disappointment. Our prices have never been lower. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. We've got some new live shows coming in 2024. Tickets are on sale now for shows at King's Place in London on the 15th of January and 19th of February. Full lineups to be announced, but you know we always get the best co-hosts and the most interesting guests. And we'll be announcing our Australian and New Zealand dates very soon. So keep an eye on the website, guiltyfeminist.com. And if you're enjoying this episode, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen and give us a five-star review And a few lovely words. It really does help other people find the podcast. And so does talking about it on social media 
or even mentioning it to a friend with your face. You can also get ad-free episodes by subscribing on Patreon, Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus. That's all from me here. Back to the podcast. Would you like to see some stand-up comedy? <gasps> then please welcome to the stage the incredible Jessica Foster Q. <laughs> Oh, it's such nice whooping. Um, I've never um, read it out of a laptop before. It's so modern. They'll never. I thought this is what the young. I think this is what the young comedians are doing. I don't know. Have you seen one do it like that? Never. <laughs> never. Deb says never. I still. I should. I should have written it. I should have written it on paper. Um, okay. Well, I'm a feminist, but I've fallen in love with netball. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's the World Cup of netball. It's just finished now, and it was fucking great. Um, and I think that's an album feminist, but because I don't know about you, having now paid some proper attention to netball for the first time since my own sort of puberty, when I was forced to play it because it was the only sport for girls at my school, then um, I think netball might be the perfect allegory for the patriarchy, actually, um, because it's basketball, but ruined. I think it's technically the hardest type of PE that I have ever watched. It's basketball for women, and it's basically basketball with, like, way more rules, way more restrictions, loads of massively unrealistic expectations in terms of how your body's meant to stop and move simultaneously. Every fucking bit about it is harder than basketball. There's not even a backboard to the hoop. They've just got to get it exactly in the fucking hoop. It's basically living, but so much harder. And all the while, these elite fucking athletes are having to do it in essentially sort of elasticated tutus. And they're given the most patronising names I have ever heard. Do you know that, like, so normally if you think of it like an international level sports team, if you're playing for your nation, your sports team should be called something like the Wolves or the Tigers or the Warriors. Right, here's a list of what... (laughs) All the different, well, some of the, they're, right, they're, they're called, we England are called the Roses, the, the Diamonds, Diamonds. One of the teams is called the Queens. Genuinely, there's a country called the Sunshine Girls. <laughs> Every team is named after a flower, a piece of jewellery, or a thin bird. Anyway, despite all that, I've fallen in love with the sport. I played it as a teenager purely because it was only the very few options and I was always too much of a donkey for... (laughs) What have I written? Too much of a donkey for it? Oh, I was too much of a donkey to ever be good at um, netball. It's it's very limmy. Yeah, there's no no nationalities netball team that's nickname is the donkeys. (laughs) I'd be on their team. I mean, the current um, English team are an absolute force and uh, they've made me fall in love with it, even though I think sort of philosophically I've got a lot of issues with netball as a sport. Thank you. (laughs) Jessica Foster, go everybody! Our guest today is an actor and writer, most recently seen in the Netflix original crime series, Stay Close, and Breeders on FX. Her debut novel, Asking for a Friend, was released in 2021 to critical acclaim, and her second novel, Tough Crowd, is out now. Please welcome to this stage the incredible Andy Osho! Hey! 
been quite an eventful show. You were in the audience for that. That, that was a lot. <laughs> right? It's more than you're expecting, isn't it? You've done the show before, but that didn't happen before, did it? No, that was about 150% more than I was expecting if I had to quantify it. So. <laughs> great. He, he was a lot. Great yeah. to have a percentage on it. Yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah. Um, how are you, Andy? Because last time you came to us, you were living in LA and you've moved back now. Yeah, that's right. I stopped all that nonsense and um, (laughs) packed that in. Um, Yeah, I moved back 2019. I think I knew a pandemic was coming and I wanted to be... um, You didn't want to get caught up in the Imagine song. Uh, in the what? In the Imagine song. That's why you left LA. Because oh. if you were in LA, you had to sing a verse of Imagine. Really? Yeah, for Gal Gadot. You don't, you don't, you can't. That's a better joke than it was given credit for, I to be honest. Do you, you I must didn't know that everybody this. had to sing Oh, I wish I got oh, that. It was loads of celebrities. Do, oh, they all did a line from Imagine. Yeah, Imagine. You know, oh, to make everybody to, feel better. Yeah, and, did, and then it really... And it got, like, panned. Oh, it, it did make us feel better, though, because we got to laugh at celebrities. Was Did they do that thing where they have to try and find the crummiest place in their 18-bedroom mansion yes. to, like, film so, so, so that they look like so normal it, people? Yeah, so it didn't look like, oh, well, you're having a nice lockdown with a, with a heated swimming pool. Yeah. So they're all trying to sort of stand against their electric fence that keeps... <laughs> Keeps, <laughs> keeps the real people out. Right, Just okay. trying to drag their live-in cleaner who's been forced to live in into <laughs> sort of go, look... Um, it's just absolutely, yeah, it was absolutely terrible. Oh, I'm going to YouTube that. Oh, I yeah. you must, you must. Anyway, I'm glad you were not drawn into the terrible Imagine, and I'm glad you were back here. And I know that at the moment you can't talk about the many and varied television projects and film projects that you're doing because of the strike. Yep, that's right. Do you yeah. want to say a few words about the strike? Just, you know, like, up the workers? This is a great place for solidarity. Well, yeah, up the workers, basically, because... <laughs> Thanks, guys. I mean, I, I'm allowed to work, so it's sort of easy for me to say that. Because you're mean, in Britain. Yeah, yeah. and but yeah. So, uh, I mean, sometimes I think SAG does have um, stuff shot here and you would be on a SAG contract and therefore the, those productions are struck. But, you know, I think because sometimes people see a lot of FAMOs as the front of the movement, it looks... FAMOs? Yeah, that's what I call... I'm into that. Celebrity yeah. types. Famous, You're not called great them FAMOs? Names. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah, so... Uh, it's like it, Sainsbury's, Sainos. Yeah. <laughs> and it? Tesco's. No, wait, that yeah. doesn't work. Tesco, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, so it looks like, oh, why are they striking? They're millionaires and stuff, but yeah. they're just the front of mm-hmm. for, for people who actually can't sometimes even earn enough to get insurance, healthcare, which yeah. is uh, healthcare insurance, which is like twenty six thousand dollars. That's so, nearly all actors as well. That's nearly all actors. Exactly. It's like a massive percentage, like 86%, I think it is, or something like that, who don't actually earn enough. So that's Whoa. what the strike is about. And like making sure that these big corporations um, don't take advantage of mm-hmm. creatives. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things is they're now saying extras can come and work for like $180 a day or something, and then they can use their image forever with CGI. So they could come in here, shoot this as a crowd... And then they could use that crowd forever and the way they can manipulate now. But they said also those people could, they could put them in a crowd scene where they're all naked. I don't know what that crowd scene would be, to be fair, but that is something I've heard. Of course, they could put people in compromising positions, something they didn't agree to, something that was outside. Yeah, you're right. So of your image, you're completely signed away. This is what the studios want to do. And so rightly, SAG uh, called a strike. Yeah, and and most of my friends, either they're always struggling to just make their insurance or even I've got friends who now... Because of the streaming model, and this is not really clear how they're making money because, you know, we pay 10 quid a month for Netflix or something. But they're also then, not even disclosing how they're, they're making They're not disclosing. Money. Yeah. They, and the millionaires at the top are getting more and more and more. So it used to be like they'd make, the top guy would make 
and it was a always a guy obviously 20 times as much as the lowest paid person and now they're making yeah 300 times yeah. as much whatever mm. and so even some of my friends who are in really big things are struggling to pay their mortgage because it's what they've been doing is they've been reducing 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 there's no royalty checks anymore because it's a jukebox system so actually some of my friends who are quite well known not getting paid nowhere near as much as their male cap the ma- the male co-stars are on fucking fortunes and you'd be surprised how little some of the leading women are being paid at the moment i got um, a residual check because i did some work out there and i got a residual check for 19 cents Oh. Buy yourself something pretty. I know, go wild. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can't even get a postage stamp for that. I went days. to Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why. So yeah, go. so so it's it's there's lots of issues, not least of which they want to start taking everyone's writing and turning it into AI writing, which some of the things on Netflix you think they're already being written that way because they're so. Oh yeah, a, true, a stupid though. robot wrote that. You Seriously. do watch some things and think Sometimes that. I think, oh, this looks like me. And then I'm just watching it and going, but this has been written with no human heart. It's been written, and I know it's not the writer's fault. It's been, they've given notes after notes. Because the writer notes was after a notes robot. After Very probably, sometimes I think maybe, you know, at some point I will presumably be forced to be AI, uh, replaced as a, you know, <laughs> I could be AI now. We don't know what the government's doing. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so you just can't tell, can you? A lot um, of the time. I've really enjoyed Tough Crowd. Um, I've not finished it, but that's good because we don't want to give them spoilers. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your novel, Tough Crowd? Because it's got some really amazing themes in for us to talk about. Yeah, there's a man who shouts cocksucker in it, which is so weird that that weird. happened tonight. No, I can't brand. call back to that, can I? Because we're no. not... No, anyway, I mean, so. Tom might keep it in just so we can... Well, Tom, will you keep cocksucker in or not? You haven't given me much option, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Sauce. Half the show. Okay, thanks, thanks. <laughs> I didn't think he had a very litigious energy, if I'm honest, Debs. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I don't had, care about I him. I think he had the energy of someone who's not going to remember this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to wake up and go, I had a really weird dream. Um, yeah, yeah, I see that. Uh, I was asked to leave a comedy show, and I said, I don't want a fucking refund. Um, can you imagine how rude? Anyway, um, I thought I was very charming. Um, I thought he was saying, like, I don't, I don't need what I'm good. I, my bad for being in here. Yeah. I won't take any money back. I thought that's where, but I was over there. I couldn't see his face. I just I think the word the fucking undermines that sentiment. Like, I, I just didn't hear that. No, oh. if someone says, I don't need a refund, sorry, I've come to the wrong show, that's charming. Yeah. It, well, it's not charming because he's already said cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, he didn't just say cocksucker. I was asking a woman what her PhD was in, no, and he yeah. shouted, I think he said cock sucking. Yeah. And that is, there's no way of looking at that except that man's a cunt. Yeah. He might, he might have been a slightly drunk cunt, but yeah. sorry, sorry, I don't use that word lightly. Regular listeners will I know. Do. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it when you do. I love it um, when you do. So, so speaking of tough crowds, uh, tell us yeah. about your book. Tell us who, who it's about and what it's about. So it's about a comedian called Abby. And she is, uh, I describe her as aspiring because she's aspiring to be professional. She wants paid gigs. And at the moment, she's kind of temping and living that life. And she's been doing stand-up a long while. And she gets told by a lot of people that she's too much. Like her mum tells her she's too much and guys, when she meets them, they tell her she's too... And then she meets a guy called Will who just loves her. Well, not right from the beginning, adores her and then grows to love her. But like, he really likes her just the way she is. Um, But he comes as a package deal with two kids from a previous relationship. They so often do now. 
Right? Mm. Right? I love this because, I mean, it will not surprise anyone to know I've been told I'm too much. And uh, my friend Susan McComa, who I adore, has a jumper, a sweater, that just says, go get less. Yes. So good. And it's all it says. It doesn't refer to too much. It just says, go get less. Yeah. So that if anyone Lovely. goes, oh, too much, she can just point at the shirt. Yeah. And just go, fine. You want less, go get less. Yeah, I love that. And I think, yeah, I, I think Abby's the sort of person that would have that kind of sweater as well because although she's still, she, she goes on a journey in terms of like making sense of that and realising she's enough. So she doesn't start necessarily in that place, but that's where she gets to. Did you have a stratospheric rise to comedy or did you have to grind around for a long time to try and find your... <laughs> Just 10 short years. I think my stratospheric rise was about 10 years long as well. It's just like... Yeah, it's like it's... a car that's not got any petrol in it. It's just running out of petrol and you're fumes. just like hopping. Yeah, fumes. I was running on fumes for a very, very long time. I did an impression of it there. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I wondered where that was coming from. I got frightened. It was yeah, you. Sorry. It was very Sorry effective. That was you. very effective sound um, effect. Jess. Yeah. What was your time in stand-up like? When were you getting I've, paid gigs? I have met faster snails. I well, on the stand-up circuit? Yeah. At, well, at success. Yeah. Um, I started in 2008 and I... I don't think anybody knew had a clue who I was for a good 11, 12 years. And so, but you really have to stick at it. And I think, yeah. you know, especially at that time, if you didn't look like what people thought a stand-up comedian should look like, yeah. i.e. a man off Mock the Week. It, it was, it's true though. It was for a long old time. Even after yeah. I did Mock the Week, I would go to some regional comedy clubs and the man before me would look more like he'd done Mock the Week than me. So even though he hadn't, he was wearing Mock the Week style clothes. And even though he was a less experienced comic, people would be like, yay, to him and me like, mm, uh, and I literally have seen people in the front row go, I don't find women funny, I don't like female comedians, as I've walked out onto the stage. Mm. And I've just gone, well, you know, and then he sort of just think in your head, right, I have to prove them wrong. And then you do prove them wrong. And then they come up to you in the bar and they go, I don't normally find women funny, but for you, I managed to rest my bigotry for a full 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And you're just overwhelmed. That is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I just, <laughs> wow, so thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Because you're normally talking about cakes. I think somebody did actually say that to me once. Like, women, you're, you're said that <laughs> bit. Said because you're normally you're talking about cake. <laughs> to that, be that fair. Yeah. To be fair, Jess, we often talk about cake. like talking about cake. <laughs> Jess has got a whole podcast on cake, to be fair, poovering. So it's not, it's not all cake based, it's food, food in general. But I, I think we, you and I spent a long time talking about cake. We've done a whole episode on it. We have. we have. Oh, well, I should go back and find this guy then and say, <laughs> yeah. actually. Do you know what? Good point, point, mate. Good point. <laughs> I'd rather talk about cake than shoes, in truth. Mm -hmm. You know, the stereotype of women talking about shoes. Mm -hmm. Probably. I'd like to talk about nails myself. Do you? Yeah. You're welcome in our gang. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I just um, had a pedicure and I got, um, so I'm in this show called Blue Lights and we have a green, like this very deep green uniform. And so I got the green. I got PSNI green toenails. Nice. Yeah, and I didn't even mean to. I was just like, oh, but that looks like my uniform. Can you tell us about Blue Lights? I can, yeah, because they're not a struck production. Oh, they're not a struck um, production. Excellent. No. Um, oh. So Blue Lights is basically a, um, a police drama set in Northern Ireland about three rookies that join... Uh, the police force uh, there and um, the things that happen to them. Lots of things happen. I don't want to spoil it for folks if they haven't... Have, have you guys seen oh, I it? I really want to watch it. Yeah. Some people have... Mm, some people four have. people have seen it. Okay, so maybe... I'll... Okay, well then that's good because the, if they'd all seen it, what's the point of coming? 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're here to convert the ones that haven't seen it yet. <laughs> this is so true. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I should do a better pitch for it then, shouldn't I? It's, um, it's really good. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Nailed um, it. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, will, I will watch it only because you're in it. Um, but the, the, not only because you're in it, but especially because you're in it, Bless I should you. say. Um, but I have been reading Tough Crowd and I thought one of the most interesting themes in it was this sort of step family that she has to take on two kids and what that experience is like. And we were thinking in the dressing room about how much the shape of the family has changed mm. across mm. the world, I would say. Um, but I feel like it was so often seen as this sort of heteronormative, a mother-father would stay together forever despite how much they hated each other and two children or more. And it's just morphed into all sorts of things. Did you have uh, experience of step-parenting when you wrote Tough Crowd? So um, rather like Abby, I don't know if I could definitely call it step-parenting, but I've, da- I've dated people who have children from previous relationships. And so, you know, having to... Find out who you are for these children mm. and manage your own like emotional experience at the same time of thinking, ah, you think you're going to be just the best, you know, I don't know what you're, sparing or whatever, ever. Sparing. Uh, sparing. You've yeah. got so many good words. It's famous. Well. Sparing. <laughs> You're bringing it tonight. Just throwing them out there, you know. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it's, it's difficult, like, you know, uh, sort of navigating that, that space. And so that, my experience of that is what uh, is a, informs a lot of what Abby, the lead character, goes through in the book. Mm. Yeah. What mm. what What do you think, Jess? Because you've changed the shape of your family. Yeah. And you've got uh, a sparent now. Yeah. Would you call Steph a parent? Yeah, that's a great word for it, a parent. Yeah. yeah but, well, I can only speak to my own experience. I got some really great advice, I think, early on. Um, but, like, I, for us, we had to let it take its uh, own course. And I think, I think the overwhelming noise at me as the person, like, leaving a heteronormative relationship, starting a new relationship, uh, this time a same-sex relationship with a kid who at the time was three, was prioritise him. And that, like, makes sense. You think, well, of course I'm going to do that. I'm not an asshole. But how do you do that? And I think doing that whilst also managing all the other adults in that situation's emotions and needs, it's a lot. Like, and there are going to be, and there were, no massive catastrophes, but little fuck-ups along the way. You've got to sort of see how it feels and see what sort of pace everyone involved wants to go at whilst ultimately really letting the kid lead it as far as mm. I, um, my son's dad is like a, a full time we co-parent him like together we still live really close to each other we're friends there's a spreadsheet <laughs> um, it's a like a well-oiled machine but because my life and because of my work is so chaotic it's not like a it's not a trad setup where he does one week or Thursdays or anything like that every week looks completely different god this feels really boring no it's uh, not but it's, but it's like Within the remit of that, like, I sort of had to learn on the job that I was like, oh, so I think I need, to, with my partner, to be really mindful about how much I ask of her. Um, because also, I don't, with, I don't want her to have loads of responsibility, let, like, just feel their way. And, like, four years in, it's in an amazing place. Everybody's got a really brilliant... So this year's my... I was had some gigs in Slovenia, and I had to miss my son's sports day. What a bitch. But... My girlfriend and my ex-boyfriend, his dad, so he had his spare and his dad watching his sports day and it, at his request, and he loved it. And I was like, well, that's, 
If we've got to that point, as far as I'm concerned, that's almost entirely down to how fucking classy my ex and my partner are. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But I think that's the ideal, that these different shaped families can accommodate. And I think if everybody builds that bridge to get on, yeah. I can't see why that can't happen. And in truth, some of the happiest parents I know are no longer with the other parent. And what that means is every second weekend they get brunch. <laughs> and they are happier because when the child comes back, they're like, yay! And then they're yeah. like, every other weekend, they like go to the park or something. And they're like, I love having my child time. And then... The child's really happy to go off and see the other parent and oh, they're really happy to have some sleep. Debs, in the lockdowns, I don't know anybody who hadn't left their baby daddy survived. What? Like, I, Every in, single person in lockdown left genuinely, their... No, I don't know how anyone who had to have their kids with them the entire time Oh, managed. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was allowed to give mine away <laughs> to its dad. Oh, you couldn't... He couldn't go back and forth. Yeah, he oh, could. And oh, it was could. great. Oh, I see. Oh, Imagine we being could. trapped in a house with your own children relentlessly. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you were like a bubble or something. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. lived on the same road at the time. Oh, I see. Sorry. I see yeah. what you're saying. I thought you meant... I, say, I think it would be awful to have... A child and a, not be a able relationship to give them away. together. <laughs> I swear to God, I had so many conversations with other people who weren't with the parent, like, you know, the yeah, person who, they had who, their kids with, and we all were like, <laughs> we have no And you had, you had heteronormative married parents ringing you up, jealous as fuck, yeah. going, Is, could you take I mine? Wish there was, yeah, yeah, someone I could we're, take him to just for half a day. We, we're really in love, but we're thinking about getting a divorce because we just can't handle it full time. Um, Andy, what do you think the secret of feminist step-parenting is? Yikes. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Any, any, any tips or the secrets? The secret to feminist step-parenting. I think it might be what Jess said of like letting the kid lead. Mm -hmm. Not in terms of they're in charge because otherwise they will be like, can I have a knife or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. you say... But, like, but, but just really listening. This is the journey that um, Abby goes on, is learning to listen. Because she, her tactic for dealing with this situation is, as she describes it, throwing a whole load of Abby at it. Yeah. Which is exactly what I would do if I'd gone further down the road with the people that I was dating that had children. Um, is I, I mean, I did that right from the beginning. It's just like, what this situation needs is essentially petrol, which is my personality thrown all over this fire. Um, let's make a blaze. So, yeah, so I think just really listening and being there and not having an expectation of who you're going to be for them. Mm. Um, you want to be a parent because you want to be important, but you know you're not. You want to be a relative, but you're not because even if you get married, that's just, that's just paperwork. Mm. It's not, do you know what I mean? You're not a friend. Because I remember one time going to his eldest who just got told off for something and I, I wanted to be like, all right, mate, you can tell me everything. And he just sort of turned over in his bed and turned away from me because like, I'm not that person for yeah. him or at least not yet. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's just uh, being there for mm. them. I think that is, uh, that, that listening and just observing is the thing. But overall, I do think it's incredibly, incredibly important for children to have people who are grown-ups, who they trust, who aren't their parents in their life. And I really wish I'd had that as a kid, mm. and I didn't. But I am that for several other kids and, you know, 
sometimes they grow up and then you get new ones. But that <laughs> I just go up to someone at a bus stop and say, you're seven, shall I be your godmother? And it's, it's never failed me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just get to the point. I've had yeah. one restraining order, I've and got I an think opening. that's <laughs> given, given how many given how many uh, self-nominated godchildren I've got. I think is excellent odds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been there in various children's lives for various reasons, and they've come to me, especially mm. around the university age, where they want to talk about sex and drugs and you know that kind of thing. All the cool mm. shit. Yeah. Now, before we finish, oh, you hi. are going to do a reading from your book. Yes, I'd love to do that. Would you like to hear a reading from Andy's book? Andy, you're showing tough crowd, everybody. Stand up oh, and juggle. Oh, fantastic! Poor Jess had to I juggle to, a laptop. I need to do this, but I'm left-handed, so I got to swap over. I'm left-handed. Oh, are you? Hi. Yeah. Are you All doing? We doing? both would have been burnt as witches in the Middle Ages. There's lots of things I've done that would have had me burnt as a witch. But all right, here lots we of go. You've done. Here we go. I don't even know if I need these glasses, but I just I, I, I turned fifty really this year, great. and I just feel like this is the sort of thing people do, isn't it? Like putting glasses on. It, when they, it when really they does read. look very grown up they're, and sexy. Hot. I don't actually need them. Um, okay. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I, really, I want to I wanna become needing reading glasses to read, but I'm just not quite there yet. But I'll... <laughs> fuck it, why not? Come on. Pop them on. I, I can't read my phone at all virtually without reading glasses, so, and it's, it's actually a bit inconvenient, so it, never wish away... Never wish away an ability. My vision, yeah. Don't wish away your vision. I actually have to look over the top to be able to see. This is so weird. Um, all right. <laughs> Do you want me to put a lamp on it? Do you want me to put my torch on it so you can see? But I, no, I that's, that's even more than I need. I mean, I could do this in the dark, I okay, reckon. Okay, All right, Wow, you really are a superhero. <laughs> Bless you. Um, so what's happened is that Abby's met this chap that um, she likes very much, found out he's got kids. There's been a bit of a back and forth about uh, whether she even wants to carry on the relationship. And then they kind of have a, um, a dinner and they decide they do want to be together. And that Abby probably needs to meet the kids. That's, it's, it's probably time to do that. There's some other stuff that happens that sort of forces them to do this a little bit earlier than they would have liked. Abby meets the kids and she thinks it goes really well. She goes over to Will's place and, and the kids are there. One's 13, one's six. The 13-year-old's a little bit like, so what? Um, and the six-year-old is, is terribly sweet but um, thinks that Abby might be an alcoholic. She calls her an alcohololy. Um, anyway, so the next day, um, Abby meets uh, two of her friends who she runs a gig with and they ask her about meeting the, uh, the kids. And so uh, this is from that chapter. So how did Friday go? Cassie asks, leaning on the only chair she's put out since she arrived for tonight's Wisecrackers. That's the name of the gig. Great. The kids are lovely and Will's so good with them. I should hope so, she snorts. He's their dad. You know what I mean, I reply, batting away her response. Abby's right. Men aren't natural nurturers. I keep telling Callum, it's another reason we shouldn't have kids, Frank says. As usual, head buried in his notebook. He's another comic. That's just an excuse and not a very good one. What about male penguin couples, Cassie says, arms crossed. I go back to the chairs. I'm staying out of this. We're not talking about sitting on an egg for a couple of weeks. It's bath time, school runs, cyberbullying, um, constant costume making, jabs, exams. God, it's never ending. Frank exhales, arms flapping down on his thighs. 
Just because you're not the nurturing type, don't write off all men. My kids' dads are super hands-on, and happily so, Cassie says, then softens, adding, Callum clearly wants to be a dad. You two need a proper talk, because this is not going away, no matter how many jokes you write about it. Frank snaps his book shut. Why have a grown-up discussion when I can shit-talk it out on stage? And with that, he disappears behind the sound booth, grabs the mic and mic stand, and huffily sets them up at the front of the room. Through the PA, we hear a snarky, testing, testing, everyone is testing my nerves tonight. Ignore him. I sense we've touched on unresolved issues, Cassie concludes. You think? I reply, my sarcasm whistling over her mess of brown hair. Cassie steps back, admiring the one row of chairs she's now laid out, like she's just built the Sistine Chapel. Well, I'm glad the first meet was a success. People make so many mistakes when it comes to that, so good for you. Thanks, I nod, as my curiosity and concern circus rolls into town. Mistakes like what? Cassie buries a grimace. You said it was great. I wouldn't worry. But theoretically, mistakes like what, I press. She straightens as though aligning with her therapy know-how. Well, things like telling them your boyfriend and girlfriend straight away rather than just friends. Adds unnecessary pressure, doesn't it? My lips tighten. Oh, says Cassie. Never mind. Well, as long as you met on neutral ground. My head dips and her raised eyebrows plummet too. But you at least held off on the pet names and PDAs? I gabble a response, but even I can't bear the pathetic whimpers of my justifications. Frank starts hooting with laughter as he listens in. You absolute wally. Hey, I yelp, but he's right. You've literally done the opposite of everything you're supposed to do, he says, deferring to Cassie, who gives a sad affirmative smile. My mouth goldfishes as I try to think of a defense. How was I supposed to know? It's not like there are books about this kind of thing. There literally are, Cassie says, and blogs, support groups, therapists, psychologies, magazine articles. I heard there's a version of Monopoly based on it, Frank says, brightening at the prospect of spinning this into a punchline. Don't worry, says Cassie, rubbing my back. Are you sending me Reiki energy? I ask with suspicion. Cassie looks away with sheepish guilt. Actually, I was sending it to all four of you. Wait, 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 speak slower. I'm not getting all of this down, Frank snorts as he pretends to scribble in his notebook. I'm glad you find it funny. Ten minutes ago, I was hyped about meeting the girls. Now it seems I couldn't have got it more wrong if I'd taken the machete juggling. Frank bends double laughing, but I'm not in the mood. I mean, if you lot know so much, why didn't you say anything? I whine. Uh, I know nothing. Frank says, holding up his hands in defense. Exhibit A, my whole routine about not wanting kids. I think that's enough of that. (laughs) And the Osho Tough crowd, everybody. Thank you. Buy, everyone should buy Tough Crowd. You can buy it now in all good bookshops, ideally someone who pays their tax. And it's actually, um, there's a lot of copies in Tesco's. Are there? That's Excellent. Where it's, uh, yeah, selling very um, nicely. <laughs> Jess Foster Q, now you've heard that, how much did you fuck up introducing Steph to your son? Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Lo- loads. Loads. Excellent. Good. No, there were actual rules. No, there were rules. And oh, I, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Well, it's too late now. You're engaged. Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. That's lovely. Is that a secret? No. Oh, God. No. Oh, my God. I thought, oh, my God, that's a secret. And I've just blurted it out on a podcast and they've all tweeted it already. And we've been machete juggling. Machete. <laughs> 
You got anything to plug, Jess? Um, listen to my podcast, the Hoovering podcast, all about eating. Hoovering, you can hear all about cake on Hoovering, which is our favourite subject. You've been a lovely audience and very supportive when a bad thing happens. So I would love it if exactly the same people came and sat in exactly the same spots. Do you think that the correct show he meant to come to was the next one? Oh. <laughs> what if I he comes in? the nine o'clock show. <laughs> I mean, in a way, it brought us all together. So if someone could come in and just shout cocksucking in the next warm-up, brought us all together, I feel in a really warm way. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co host Jess Carson, you have very special guest, Andy Osho. The recording engineer was Grundy the Zipper. The music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for the Spotted Shop. Thanks to Rachel Craft, Regina Lucio, Zaina Bahamut, and everyone at Soho Theatre, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. weirdness happened in the room and I when I say that's the first time that's happened in seven and a half years I mean it that's never yeah. nothing like that's ever happened before um, the ages to work out what's going on back there I yeah just, I came so, and stood behind that see-through sheath protectively so it, it might have put it might have put a weirdness into the audience so if it has can you just pretend it hasn't <laughs> can you just like if you could overact for five minutes you'll catch up with yourselves right yeah just like if you if you want to cheer cheer louder if you want to laugh go Ha! But no, don't make it sarcastic. Now, <laughs> if it's too much, it's sarcastic, and then it just it, it kills it. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.